Welcome to Creative Conversations, the Tiger Spirit podcast exploring creativity in all its diverse forms. I'm your host, Yang Mei Ui, and I'm a multimedia author. In today's episode, I'm speaking with author and playwright Michael McManus. His play, An Honourable Man, is now on at the White Bear Theatre in London until the 8th of December 2018. Michael McManus, welcome to Creative Conversations. Thank you very much. So now tell us about your play, which is very topical. It's called An Honourable Man. Um, well, it's about post-Brexit Britain. Um, so it's set in the very near future. Uh, and the story begins with um, a Labour MP who has been uh, attacked by momentum, has been deselected and has resigned from Parliament and stood as a, uh, an independent candidate in a by-election in his constituency. And to his own surprise, as much as anybody else's, has won quite comfortably. His journey begins there, um, and the journey then takes some uh, unexpected turns. He, he's encouraged by a lot of uh, support at the, the grassroots, but also within Parliament, uh, to set up a new party. Now, there's a lot of talk about new parties, and we tend to think of them as centre parties along the lines of the old SDP. Uh, you know, all the uh, Remainers and all the moderates getting together to set up something a bit like the Democrats in the States. And what he sets up is rather more like the Republicans in the States. So it's, it's uh, probably, in the, uh, for a London audience, uh, quite a dystopian idea that the country might be swept not by a wave of, of liberal uh, pro-Remain sentiment, but by a wave of anti-immigrant, uh, anti-European sentiment, quite populist and uh, not entirely attractive. But, uh, you know, that happened at the referendum two years ago, and I think it could happen again. Gosh, so it's actually um, right at the moment. I was just looking at the news uh, today. Of course, um, Theresa May is trying to push through her Brexit deal and the, the country is all in, in jitter. So this is truly, truly topical. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's quite um, interesting take uh, that you have, that you're pushing the envelope of drama um, and pushing it towards a kind of what-if scenario, um, a, a bit like the, the man in the high castle, where it's what if the Nazis won the war? And you're taking a sort of what if, let's take it to the extreme scenario. Um, and that's quite, that's quite exciting, and I imagine would make quite uncomfortable viewing. Oh, well, I think it's meant to be uncomfortable viewing, and uh, theatre should be uncomfortable. Uh, and one or two people have complained that they felt uncomfortable in the play, and I take it as a, uh, the highest praise of all. <laughs> uh, believe me, I mean, the, the views that are expressed on, on the stage in Honourable Man are, have nothing to what one would hear um, over a, a bar in a lot of uh, towns and cities in this country. It's very moderated, really. <laughs> and that's what makes good drama, isn't it? Um, I mean, in, if you look at, think about Julius Caesar, um, they end up you know, killing him rather than, oh, well, we don't really like him. Shall we vote him out? <laughs> so you yes. Well, and of course, my title is taken from Julius Caesar. It's ah. uh, Marcus Antonius speaking over the, the body of Caesar before Caesar is buried, um, describing Brutus and the allegations Brutus has made against Caesar. And uh, Mark Antony sarcastically says, well, of course, everything Brutus says must be true because Brutus is an honourable man. So that's where the title comes from. So it, it carries with it a whiff of Shakespearean sarcasm. Oh, uh, and yet, you know, also, you know, Shakespeare was, was the, you know, a political playwright. So many of the great playwrights right back to the beginning of theatre were political playwrights. And 
you, you know, it's necessary to interweave the, the grand themes of politics with the personal drama. Yes, and certainly Shakespeare, um, as you say, he, those Julius Caesar, but, uh, and, and then there were the sort of historical plays about kings and, uh, and Macbeth, um, which was taken from a, a true story. But he, he had to write under, he had to be quite careful, didn't he, in the political circumstances of, um, oh, yeah. of offending the, the, the queen or the king that he was under after, after Elizabeth. Yes, oh, no, very much so. And uh, we think of, in the operatic world, Verdi, um, recast some of his operas. He, you know, he moved the Last Ball from uh, contemporary Italy to some sort of eccentric American ambassador's party uh, because he had to cover his back politically um, as uh, you know, the, the tide shifted against him. Uh, but, you know, I, I, we are very fortunate. Um, we live in a time of free expression, more or less. But there is a sort of theatrical censorship uh, in the sense that it's much easier to write a play from... Uh, I mean, presenting, actually, more important than from, presenting um, a conventional left liberal uh, perspective. Uh, it's harder to, to present some the other side of the argument, to present the sort of thinking and the sort of feeling, the sort of anxiety that prompted people in all these Labour constituencies in the North and the Northeast to vote heavily for Brexit. That was an expression of anxiety uh, and dissent, a kind of mutiny against uh, the perspectives of what they would see as, as the cosmopolitan liberal elite. So the interesting thing for me as someone who's been an active politician, what I'm used to is advocating things, is saying, I think this is right, I think this is right for the country as a playwright. I'm just representing them. I'm not advocating anything. I hope my views uh, are not clear at all because there are six characters, all of whom have their own political position and perspective, and, and none of them is me. <laughs> and I, it is interesting about sort of um, kind of arguments and putting forward your case. Now, I'm trained uh, as a lawyer. And one of the things that we learned is that when you're trying to make the case on behalf of your client, you're the gladiator for your client, if you like, um, is that actually understanding the the other side, the other person, what they want, the other company or the other whatever in a negotiation, understanding what they want, where they're coming from actually helps because then you can see, well, actually, you know, if I concede this, it's because that, that's what they want, but I win in this way. Um, and so it seems to me what, what, you're, do, it's what you're saying is that um, rather than demonizing the other or the people we don't understand, um, you know, in, in whatever context, um, one, one way is, is to step into their shoes, walk a mile in their shoes, if you like, understand where they're coming from, understand their frustration and un understand their anxieties. Well, the, the, you, you haven't seen the play, but you've got to the very core of it. Um, and without wanting to spoil it for anybody, you might be tempted to come and see it. Um, this insight you've just given is ultimately not lost on, on our honourable man, on, on the lead character, that he, um, having presented one particular perspective, partly out of ambition, um, realises that the responsibility of a politician is not to divide but to unite. Uh, I think that you, and perhaps going to the real world of what's happening in politics, this is what I think Theresa May is trying to do. Um, you know, she's she's a rational uh, politician. She's open to reason. She's open to argument. She assesses evidence, but she's being attacked on both sides by fundamentalists 
who are not open to reason, you know, people who will just say, you know, Europe is an ideal, we must adhere to the ideal, or people who will just say, look, it'll be all right, we'll leave it all behind us, it will be all right, we're a great country, neither of whom is remotely susceptible to evidence. Uh, so you have a, 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 the war between rationality and fundamentalism, which I think is really the story of our time. And you know, I think to be an honorable politician, to my mind, is to be a rationalist who understands fundamentalists. Mm. So um, it leads me on to my next question, but which was, we're sort of kind of tackling that uh, uh, as we speak anyway. But, but you know, what inspired you to, to write the play? I mean, other, other than, oh, you know, it's a topical issue, Brexit, that inspired me. But, but rather sort of, you know, what does, why commit uh, several months or years of your life to, to writing a play? I, I think it's awful cliche and sounds lazy, but, you know, it's a way of making a difference. I think... Uh, people have left this play, some of them in a state of turmoil and indignation, but many, many more, um, you know, just wanting to talk about it. You know, it, it, the, the point of writing a political play is to make people see things differently, to make them think differently, and to uh, expose to them a different perspective, different possibilities, different ways of thinking. Uh, you know, I, I, I tried to become a politician, I very nearly did, and I didn't. So perhaps it's just another forum for influencing people and making people think differently. Mm. So now you mentioned uh, your background in, in politics, um, uh, and, and I'm, you know, it, it's clear that that, that somehow that has uh, influenced uh, the, the play. But um, it, it, it'd be interesting, I think, for our listeners to hear a little bit about about your background and how you got into politics uh, and what your, um, you know, what your role was in in that arena. Um, well, I. I became involved in politics when I was quite young, just as an interested volunteer. Um, my first job out of university was working in Conservative Central Office, uh, sharing an office with a, an unknown chap called David Cameron. Uh, I, you know, I, I was an advisor for a time. I worked for former Prime Minister Ted Heath. I ran for Parliament um, in Watford, which, which I didn't win. And, you know, I just remained involved, really, as a, as a speechwriter, as a an aspirant member of parliament and uh, you know, had a, a, a number of near misses in, uh, in safe seat, uh, but never quite persuaded them to select me. So, you know, I've, I've been you know, actively involved in politics really all my life, even you know, before I was an adult, all my adult life and a bit before that. And so what, what's the, um, uh, what, what is it that, that, that draws you into engaging in, in, in politics? Um, I guess I'm, I'm thinking, you know, uh, that there is a perception around uh, around politics as a sort of power play and all that sort of stuff. But from what I'm sensing is that there is, from you, a sense of service, of wanting to make a difference, of of doing some good. Well, I like to think so. You know, I've sort of nailed my colours to the mast already by saying, you know, I'm I'm, I'm very much of the, the rational school of politics. I, I don't I, I don't suffer from fervour politically i mean i have a broad sense of you know national pride and patriotism but i you know I, i'm not uh, sentimental about politics i think politics is the art of the possible and that, that that's an old strand in the tory party and in the labor party and in the liberals so i'm, I'm you know i'm the opposite of a fundamentalist i, I think i'm i'm a diplomat and a, and a, a deal maker um you know and I, and I do think the referendum has exposed a very divided country and it troubles me that, um, that there are people in politics actively trying to exacerbate that divide. 
And, and again, that's why I've written the play the way I have. Although, you know, I started to work on the play before the referendum, but I could see the writing on the wall. You know, as, as a, a party activist, I've been going up and down the country to elections and by-elections. And, you know, seeing a very different country from what we're used to in London. Um, you know, you, you sense a sort of anger, a sense of alienation. Um, a really, you know, the whole towns feeling they've been abandoned by the political establishment. And... You know, the, the answer to that is not, uh, you know, fundamental free market obsession, but it's also not, you know, some form of kind of state socialism. I mean, neither of these things actually delivers for millions and millions of people. And I think, you know, why can't people just see the evidence of their eyes and um, follow the evidence rather than follow ideology? And so you are also an, an author of a number of books. Um, could you could you share something about about that and, and sort of how I suppose um, uh, your your personal engagement in, in writing books, writing plays, um, and how that is part of your process of you know um, I don't know creating change or or, or 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 getting your your views out there. Um, well, yeah, but I mean, my writing has been mainly sort of historical biographical um the last book i did was a uh, a book about edward Heath, for whom i'd worked uh, to mark the centenary of his birth two years ago um and it, you know i wrote about half of it and i collected contributions from a lot of other people who'd known him um some of whom have died since actually so it was you know, time there just for me that there's still enough of them around that we can produce a fairly rounded portrait of him um and i've I wrote a book about Joe Gremond, who was the Liberal leader at the same time as Heath. Um, I wrote a book, which now sadly is out of print, about um, LGBT politics and the Conservative Party. So, you know, it's, it's been historical writing, really, sort of modern history and biography. Um, I wrote a, a biography of an actor friend as well. Um, I've, I've also done a lot of journalism for Gramophone magazine and uh, national newspapers. So, you know, moving to writing dialogue is quite a leap you know I've, I've written speeches before but dialogue is a very different thing you know it's uh, you've got to find these different voices I think that's what I've I've learned I, di I didn't read books about playwriting I just went to a lot of theatre and, and digested it and worked out how it's done but I think I went through the, probably the phase everyone does particularly when you're trying to you're a relatively old dog learning new tricks well you know the first draft of the play all the characters spoke like me <laughs> uh, uh, even though if the things they were saying were not the things with which I agreed, they all had essentially had my voice. And you, know, you just have to put yourself into other people's shoes. And uh, you know, people speak in different rhythms, in different meters. They use different sorts of words. Uh, and, and you know, one thing, for instance, with politicians is they tend to use a more sort of down-to-earth, demotic uh, vocabulary in public compared to how they talk in private. So I've, I've tried to reflect that in the play, that you suddenly start getting rather long words when they're having a whiskey together in the bar, but when they're, they're make, addressing the nation, they use shorter, more clipped sentences. You know, this, this is, people are frightened of showing how well educated they are. So you know, the, 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 there's a lot of tricks, and you actually, if you, if you step back, you can work them out for yourself. So um, there are six characters uh, in, in the play. You, you said, uh, and so. Um, this is interesting about writing dialogue and, and using dialogue to create character. Um, and so if we can dig a little 
bit deeper into your creative process in in how you differentiate these these characters um, uh, and uh, if, without giving too much away um, and and whether or not in in the writing process you used actors and other people to help you with the, with the dialogue and the ca character creation um, yes very much so uh, you know fortunately I know a lot of actors and we did several readings of the piece in the run-up to this run we also had a short run a short rehearsed run a fully staged rehearsed run in june uh in front of audiences and we sold that out completely uh and you know you you you, you i just sat in and looked and listened as the audience reacted and some things didn't ring true and, and I, I heavily rewrote act two act one i, I more or less left alone i, I, I tweaked it and, and sharpened it but the second act that there was a, a sort of dramatic fulcrum which wasn't there which now is so you, 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 I think, particularly as an inexperienced playwright, I found it essential to to hear it out loud. Until you hear it out loud, particularly in front of an audience, you don't really know what works and what doesn't work. But compared with the first draft that I did, which is a, three years ago, um, you, you know, some characters have gone completely, some characters have been invented, and, and the differentiation of voices is much greater. But you need to hear it out loud, I find. But you know that. that Maybe a second time out if I if I have another go. Maybe I won't. So it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because with as as a book writer, and particularly sort of historical um, factual books, um, you just sit down and get on with it and tell the story and put in lots of facts and references and quotes and, and whatever. Um, and and it's quite solitary. But um, this is a completely different uh, creative process. Um, and and uh, I, what I see is a, a sense of sort of humbleness, so a willing to, willingness to learn and actually tear up what you did because it didn't work. And what is important is in service of of the play, the story, the character and you do whatever it takes to to actually convey the story and characters that uh, in a true way yes I, th I think you, you do need you need a lot of humility as a writer um, and I hope I've shown that and you know you, then you've handed it over to a director and, and um, we've had a fabulous director young director um, Jolly Gosnold and he, he, I sent him I met him socially when I was looking for a director, I sent him the script, and within two days he digested it and understood it far better than I did. And you know, you have therefore to say, well, you know, he's he's seeing things. I mean, he essentially treated it as a comedy. He 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 and the actors have made it a very funny play. And you know, I tried to make it have enough humour in it that people would get through the night without just feeling sad and and um, melancholy. But but it's much more than that now. He's pointed every bit of comedy, and and actually I've sort of gone with it in the final rewrite. I've gone with him on this, and I think what can be unsettling, but I think in a very good way about the piece is that some scenes are completely naturalistic. I mean, there's scenes that could happen, uh, that really could happen, and they're almost recreations of scenes that I've seen. I've been in the room myself. Um, you know, people talking very fervently and very sincerely about policy. Um, and then, you know, there's a, there's a walk on character, a cameo by a political consultant who, who's a sort of grotesque. It's, it's vaudeville. And I, I, I think the audience must realize that this, so you can take any of this literally or not. It, it's, it's, you know, you, I'm, I'm, it is not a naturalistic play from the beginning to the end. Some, some of it is, is quite bawdy. Uh, some of it is far fetched. Um, it, it, you can take it any way you like. It, it's and, and the director very skillfully 
suggested this really and together we've made it a sort of parable rather than a straight play Mm. And so now you've spoken uh, about the, the direction, and I think that's so interesting that um, somebody else with the with a, a theatrical skill, because your, your is, yours is a writing skill, but, but there's a sort of drama skill, brings out an element that was in the play, but you didn't necessarily see it, but and then it created actually a sort of a, a bigger piece, perhaps, than, than what you envis- envisioned. Um, could, could you tell us something about the, the, uh, the, the, the cast um, uh, who, who, are, who actually take on those roles? Well, the, um, I think he found three of them and I found three of them, which is a nice ratio. Um, you know, two, two studied with him, one was his teacher, um, and the other three were, were friends of mine from different bits of my life, uh, or a friend of a friend. I mean, they are extraordinary. Um, Timothy Harker, who plays the Honourable Man, um, the lead, has just been nominated for a prestigious award for his performance. And, you know, this gets me off the hook. I can now say, whatever you think of the piece, um, you must come and see Tim. Fantastic. He's extraordinary. I mean, he is genuinely extraordinary. It, it's, uh, it's a piece of acting, you know, of the very highest calibre. I mean, you know, nuanced, funny lovable terrifying you know it is a it's it, 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 you know, the sort of performance that really should should you know launch his career he's gone into the, the industry late um in middle age and it's his first big leading role first time he's created a leading role and he's perfectly extraordinary the other five are all excellent too you know i go to a lot of fringe theater and in the cast of six um you often find one or two who are a bit weaker and, and but all six of them each, you know, creating their own distinctive character. Um, that, you know, they are, and they're a wonderful ensemble. So and, and backstage, they all, they all love each other. You know, there's, there's no factions. It's just, it's been a totally blissful experience. But as, as <laughs> proven, um, as soon as we heard that Tim had been nominated for this award, the, the joy of the others for Tim. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really, you know, if only... All theatre and all life could be like this, is all I can say about it. It's been an utterly blissful experience. And, um, you know, I, I'm enjoying every moment of it. And I, I'm, I'm sad it has to end. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. it would be interesting to take this play where these kind of rather red-blooded um, opinions are being expressed, to take it to Brexit land, to take it to, particularly to traditional labour areas in the northeast, uh, where it's set, partly. Um, because I think people, you know, <laughs> react very differently. That would Rather be certainly sort of, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, what we're doing in, in, in you know, Remainer Lambeth is challenging people here to try and engage with these views, which are so different from their own. Whereas I think if we, the identical play, identical cast, ideally, if we went to, you know, some of, you know, Wakefield, Doncaster, Hull, places that voted heavily uh, to leave in, in the referendum, um, we'd be challenging them to examine their own views, possibly. Uh, and I think that the same words and the same production can do both. That would and just say, do we want to live in a society this divided? You know. Yeah. Well, if, if that, if that, if if you do manage to to take the play around the UK, well, let me know. Um, so now, Michael McManus, where can people go to find out more about you and your books uh, and and, uh, uh, and 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 the play? 
Um, I mean, to be honest, you can just Google me, Michael McManus, Michael uh, McManus, M-C-M-A-N-U-S. Uh, my website is michaelmcmanus.org.uk. Um, and there are, and uh, also on Twitter, McManington Hall, or at McManington Hall, or at Honourable Play, which is the the tweet home for the play. Great. And people uh, can still buy tickets uh, and go into the play because it's on until the 8th of December 2018 at the White Bear Theatre. Uh, presumably, if they just Google White Bear Theatre in London, they'll get there. Yes. Yes. Terrific. Great. Michael McManus, it's been a very interesting, fascinating insight into politics and, uh, and your wonderful play, An Honourable Man. That was Thank author. you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, uh, listeners, uh, we can't see each other, so we're just sort of um, uh, managing somehow. <laughs> that was author and playwright Michael McManus. You can go and see his play now till 8th of December at the White Bear Theatre in London. Details are on Michael's website. Uh, go to michaelmcmanus.org.uk and click through to the page Play an Honourable Man. There are also photos and links to some of the things we talked about at our show notes page. Go to tigerspirit.co.uk forward slash blog and look for the category creative conversations. Or you can use the bit.ly short link, which is bit.ly forward slash ccv hyphen honourable man. Creative Conversations is conceived and presented by me, Yang Mei Ui. The podcast is produced by tigerspirit.co.uk uh, and we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash tigerspirituk and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at tigerspirituk. Thanks for listening and see you next time.